0: Welcome, I would like to welcome you to episode 381 of the Unpopular Podcast. This is the man, the myth, the legend, Jalen Hunter. And here at the Unpopular Podcast, I'm not ask you to agree with me, I'm asking you to hear me out. There comes a point in life where you have to be honest about yourself. You have to be honest about the situation at hand. You have to be honest about what we're seeing out of life. That doesn't mean that things can't change. That doesn't mean that things are in a bad place. But what it means is you have to be honest about something. For instance, let's look at your favorite restaurant. Let's look at the unpopular podcast restaurant because I'm not going to throw any restaurants under the bus. Let's say I I get about 20 to 30 reviews. Each review gives me a three and a half out of ten. Or no, three and a half out of five. Three and a half out of five. Three and a half out of five. You might get that occasional five out of five. You might get that occasional one out of five. But majority, a good number of them gives you a three out of five. That doesn't mean that you are a struggling business. That doesn't mean that. Your food is exceptional. That doesn't mean that your food is below a, below average. It means that your food is around a three out of five. The experience is around a three out of five. You can say, hey, I used to get a bunch of five out of fives or I used to get a bunch of one out of fives. But n- right now, your food, your restaurant experience is a three out of three and a half out of five or three out of five. When we look at this Philadelphia Eagles team, I have been a huge proponent of this, which this is something that I obviously need to, need to work on. When we look at this Philadelphia Eagles team, I like to say, to I say this a lot, that this team does not look like the team of last year, which is which is true. The team of last year was obviously much different than the one this year. But I was so attached to the dominance that I've seen from the Eagles. And i talked about this before, but the game on Monday night against the Kansas City Chiefs kind of encapsulated everything that is the Philadelphia Eagles. I've been on this. The Eagles do not look the same. The Eagles do not look like the Eagles of last year. The Eagles don't look like the Eagles that obviously ran through their regular season, made it all the way to the Super Bowl. And that is true. This Eagles team is most definitely not the Eagles team of last year. But what I was doing is I was looking at that through a negative filter. I was looking at it as... Well, no, this team is not as dominant as last year. And majority of their games, not all of them, but majority of the games have been a, a dogfight, which obviously comes when you're playing tougher opponents. The, e- the Eagles have a tougher schedule than they did last year. Now, this isn't something that I've, I've, I haven't said before. But again... When you're presented with new data, it's okay to change your opinion. It's okay to enhance your opinion. Monday Night Football. The Philadelphia Eagles beat the Kansas City Chiefs 21-17. to Now, we can talk about the Marquez Valdez-Scantling drop, which we'll talk about in a little bit. We can talk about the multiple drops from the Kansas City Chiefs, which we'll talk about in a little bit. We can talk about just the state of the Kansas City Chiefs, which we'll do in a little bit. But I'm starting this episode with reality. And what reality is, is the Philadelphia Eagles are 9-1. And, and almost all nine of their wins looked like what it looked like on Monday Night Football. Almost all of their wins are hard fought. The, Jalen Hurts makes big plays. Devontae, Devontae Smith or A.J. Brown makes big plays. The running game comes into effect when it needs to. What we saw on Monday Night Football is a microcosm of everything that we've seen. Majority of this year, for, actually all of this year, from the Philadelphia Eagles. And you can look at this as a, a, you can look at this two ways. You can look at this as, while yes, the Philadelphia Eagles arguably could have lost if a couple of balls were caught. Or, you can look at it as, well, they won. And they're 9-1. and one. I was so ready to, not ready, let me... Let me figure out how I'm gonna how I'm gonna phrase this. I think the Eagles' year, in my opinion, of course, when we, when we talk about the the toughness of the opponent, I said that the Eagles' year was not going to start until after the after the bye week. That's when they had, of course, the Chiefs, and they they had just tough opponents. They got the Cowboys coming up. But as we sit here today, the Philadelphia Eagles are 9 and 1. The Philadelphia Eagles make you have to reevaluate what you're seeing. Because while yes, it looks like they've struggled majority of the year getting these wins. But on the flip side, they're getting these wins. Jalen Hurts is still one of the best quarterbacks in the league. They, while no, this team does not look as dominant as it did a year ago, this team, in fact, this year might make this team better than the one a year ago. And Let me explain that. There's a there's a reason why when you see teams that blow through blow through opponents in the regular season in any sport basketball, football, baseball when you when you're a team that blow through your opponents there are a lot of lessons that aren't able to be learned because you're not in close games, you're not in 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 hard-fought games. You're not in those games that you need to know how to maneuver and operate in close situations. When you're blowing out opponents or when you're just dominating opponents, that usually doesn't get that. Or as a team, you don't really learn that. And those are traits that need to be learned as a team. While, yes, as an individual player, you probably know I have to make a bucket or I have to get a touchdown with two minutes left or with 10 seconds left or something like that. But as a as a team, that's something that you have to learn is, is tendencies. It's, okay, which best plays work for this situation? Those nuances get lost when you're dominating people. I go back to <laughs> – Damn. Now that I'm really sitting here thinking about it, I do go back to the Golden State Warriors a lot. But the Golden State Warriors championship, or when they had Kevin Durant, the dynasty. One thing that was lost is in that you saw towards the end of the dynasty or the end of the Kevin Durant era of the dynasty is the Golden State Warriors were blowing people out. There was multiple fourth quarters that. Steph Curry didn't play. That Kevin Durant didn't play because they just didn't need to. They're up twenty five. They're up thirty points going into the fourth. So you saw when they got to the Houston Rockets series in the Western Conference Finals and how they the first few games they struggled mightily in the fourth quarter because they're not used to that. They have to learn on the fly at that point. Now at the end of the day, talent super season, and they obviously won a championship that year and overcame the Rockets in the Western Conference Finals. But those lessons should have been learned in the regular season, but because they're blowing teams out as much, they're not learned until, you know, sometimes it's too late. This Philadelphia Eagles team, last year, they didn't really have too many close games. And most of the close games that they had When we talk about last year, they either won or lost because another team did something dumb. This Philadelphia Eagles team is learning how to win multiple ways. We've seen DeAndre Swift carry the team. We've seen Jalen Hurts carry this team. We've seen... Antonio or AJ Brown I'm sorry carry this team we've seen Dallas Goddard who of course left the game on Monday Night Football and didn't come back we've seen him be integral mostly this year so now this team is more battle tested so that when you get to the regular or postseason if you possibly get to the Super Bowl you know how to win multiple ways you know how to blow people out because Quiet as it kept blowing people out is a skill that you have to learn as well. Because a lot of people, they get comfortable with a 10-point lead. They get comfortable with a 14-point lead in the NFL. Well, 14-point lead is just two scores. So this team, this Philadelphia Eagles team, is learning how to win multiple ways. The defense is still great. Hassan Reddick is one of the best pass rushers in football. Dare I say, as I sit here today, and I have been uber-critical of just the way that the Philadelphia Eagles have been winning. But I have failed to realize until now that maybe that the way they're winning is actually more of a benefit than a hindrance. Maybe the fact that they're in a lot of these close games and ultimately overcome and win is going to benefit them in the long run. This Philadelphia Eagles team is great. Yes, they have their issues. Every team in the NFL has their issues, but this, but the Philadelphia Eagles, it seems like their issue, they're turning their issues into their strengths. And even with all the issues, I mean, you can look at the box score. On Monday night, Jalen Hurts, only 14 for 22, 150 yards, no passing touchdowns, one interception, but he had two rushing touchdowns. DeAndre Swift had a touchdown. Those numbers don't jump out at you. And that's how majority of these games. Now, yes, I also understand that Jalen Hurts is probably playing hurt. But even with all that, and a lot of the games that we see from the Philadelphia Eagles has that type of stat line for Jalen Hurts and the running game and the passing game. But they still ultimately win these games. And they're all as we sit here today, they're nine and one. And quiet as is kept, they have all the ingredients to get back to Super Bowl. And if you ask me which team I trust more, if I trust this Philadelphia Eagles team or the one last year that actually made it, I would say this one. Because this team has shown me that they can win multiple ways. If Jalen Hurts isn't having a good game, they can win multiple ways. Let's talk about the Kansas City Chiefs for a second. And this podcast space, it is your, if you have a podcast, if you have anything that you put out to the world, it is your duty to be intentional about what you're putting out. And at the end of the day, Whatever you do, whether it's a relationship podcast, whether it's a sports podcast, whether it's, I don't know, an animal podcast, right? Your job is to put out love. And what I mean by put out love is put out something that you enjoy, right? Put out something that you yourself will tune into. I came in here when the season started. Actually, a little bit before the season started. And I talked about this Kansas City Chiefs team. And I said that, of course, you have the three pillars, right? You have Patrick Mahomes, you have Andy Reid, and you have Travis Kelsey. This was obviously before they had Chris Jones, but now you have a fourth pillar in this defense that is led by Chris Jones. But one thing was abundantly clear coming into the season is they were, they, there was a possibility that they could struggle this year because of their wide receiver core and their lack of their lack of a number one receiver. Then you get into the season, and the same issues, in fact, the issues are glaring now that, yeah, they don't have a number one receiver. Yes, there have been times when, you know, Rasheed Rice has popped up and said, hey, that could be me, but it's not. Maybe Justin Watson, it's not. They had to go get, or McCole Harmon came back, it's not. Kadarius Tony has proven now that he is pretty much not a number one receiver. But we're so used to, kind of like what I was talking about with the Eagles, you're so used to what we've seen, it kind of negates what we're seeing, or what we've seen allows us as a viewer, as a consumer, as a fan, it allows us to Negate what is current, and what is current with the Kansas City Chiefs right now? Patrick Mahomes is arguably one of, if no, ain't no no what if. Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback in football. Andy Reid is one of the best coaches in football. Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in football. But none of that negates the fe- oh and the Kansas City Chiefs have one of statistically one of the best defenses in football but the issues that were presented even before the season are still issues we're seeing today and people called me crazy that I can look at what we're seeing from the Kansas City Chiefs right now they're 7 and 3 you still have all the pillars that I was talking about. But I said that this team is not a Super Bowl caliber team. People get conflated a lot. The difference between Super Bowl caliber players and a Super Bowl caliber team. Go back to the, I think it was 2007. Go back to the, or four, or five. The first year LeBron James went to the NBA Finals. It was with the Cavaliers team. They went up against the San Antonio Spurs. They ultimately got swept. But that is a prime example of the difference between a championship player and a championship team. While There was no question that LeBron James was good enough to be a championship caliber player. There was no question that LeBron James was good enough to be arguably the best player at that time. Obviously, he got his team, the Cleveland Cavaliers, to the NBA Finals. But a championship player ran into a championship team in the Spurs and got exposed. He didn't get exposed, but the Cleveland Cavaliers did. They didn't negate the fact that LeBron James was great. It's just there's differences between a championship caliber player and a championship caliber team. Well, this Kansas City Chiefs team, yes, they have been to the mountaintop. Patrick Mahomes has two Super Bowls. He's been to three. He has two MVPs. Travis Kelsey, arguably one of the greatest tight ends of all time. Andy Reid, arguably one of the greatest coaches of all time. Chris Jones, arguably one of the best defensive players in football. That doesn't negate the fact, that doesn't change the fact that you need There's things that you need in a championship caliber team. We talked about this a lot. Well, one thing is solid wide receiver play. And what we think, and what, I understand it, because we've never seen a player as good as Patrick Mahomes as as far as the entire skill tree. But what we expect is the greatness of Patrick Mahomes to just supersede everything. And the biggest reason why I said that the Kansas City Chiefs is not a Super Bowl caliber team is because while, yes, the greatness of Patrick Mahomes can supersede the fact that they don't really have a a wide receiver, the league is so great, especially the AFC, that while it can supersede not having a number one receiver, it can't supersede being better than other teams. Like if we talk today, right now the 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 Baltimore Ravens is number one in the AFC. I'm not picking the Kansas City Chiefs over the Baltimore Ravens. I I will have to wrestle picking the Kansas City Chiefs over maybe let's say the Miami Dolphins right now. Even though the Miami Dolphins need to beat a team over 500, it would be a it would be a you know before Joe Burrow got hurt. I would wrestle at least this iteration that we're seeing with the Cincinnati Bengals, I would wrestle wrestle picking the Kansas City Chiefs over the Cincinnati Bengals right now. I say all this, and I'm giving all this energy because the question that is now being presented by the, the sports media, by just fans, is can this be changed? Can this be rectified? And my answer... It's simple. If it could have been rectified, don't you think it would have been? If, as we sit here today, the Kansas City Chiefs lead the league in dropped passes. There was a multitude, I talked about it a little earlier, there was a multitude of dropped passes. Just Justin Watson dropped a bunch. Of course, we know the famous Valdez, Marquez Valdez, scantily dropping the game-winning touchdown. Travis Kelsey dropped some passes. We called this team a dynasty. Or a dynasty in the making. Shouts out to Colin Cowherd. He's pretty much saying that the this was a dynasty, but it's in the second phase, and I don't think this was a dynasty. Now, again, this Kansas City Chiefs team is is still good, and this is just one game, but there's a lot of things that have to happen to be considered a dynasty. and if this is considered a dynasty this Kansas City Chiefs there are aspects and there are aspects that dynasties need to have that the Kansas City Chiefs don't and that is it doesn't have a dependable offensive unit it has a dependable player obviously it has a generational player in Mahomes has a generational talent and, and Travis Kelsey has a generational coach in Andy Reid. It has arguably a generational player in Chris Jones on the defense, and this defense is is definitely the best defense Travis or the the Patrick Mahomes has ever had. But as we sit here today, can you name the Kansas City Chiefs? Number one option on the as a wide receiver, not ch- outside of Travis Kelsey. I could be, I could be overdoing it. This could be overreaction. It could be. Hell, Thanksgiving's tomorrow, <laughs> so you know I'm 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 just thinking. Uh, you know my my big self. I'm just thinking about food right now. But I do know what I saw on Monday Night Football. And. While I can be that person that says, well, the Kansas City Chiefs should have won. I mean, I should have been a millionaire if I played the lottery, right? That's the, that's what we're wrestling with. Speaking of wrestling, and the last thing I'm going to say about this. And another reason why I don't know if this can or will be considered a dynasty for this Kansas City Chiefs team. I always talk about boxing, or when I talk about boxing, or fighting, you UFC, anything. I say you can't play box. You can't play fight. You have to be either all in or all out because of the toll that it takes on your body, because of just the fact that one failed swoop or one move, can drastically dictate the rest of your life there's this boxer i don't i don't remember his name but when i say it a lot people that are listening will probably know there's a boxer that one hit to the i think it was the back of the head it was an unintentional hit i believe one hit this man's life is completely changed like he is he went from a complete able body to now needing assistance to do everything because of one hit in the back of the head. And I'm not saying he was play fighting, but what I am saying is the seriousness of a contact sport like boxing, like the UFC, you don't play with that. And what I'm, and, and what I, what I'm saying is you have to be all in. The same goes for football. We hear about all these ACL tears and Achilles ruptures and concussions. and These are life-changing, life-threatening injuries. Of course, maybe not the Achilles or whatever, but that will change your life. There are people that have Achilles injuries that can't walk the same, that can't run anymore. So what I'm saying is you have to be all in in football. Well, I think Travis Kelsey did an interview with the Wall Street Journal, I believe. And he was pretty much saying that he contemplates retirement more than we can, more than you think. And he's been he's dealt with a slew of injuries. He's had ten surgeries his entire career. Ten. Some of them were major. And I'm not saying that Travis Kelsey's career is over. And I'm not saying that he just needs to hang it up, especially if he's not ready to hang it up. But what I will say is name me the player that came out and said that they were contemplating retirement or they think about retirement a lot and stayed four, five, six more years. I'm not Travis Kelsey could retire today. And will still be in the conversation for greatest tight ends of all time. Still be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Still will be probably amongst the ring of honor for the Kansas City Chiefs. Still will be considered one of the best receiving tight ends of all time. And I've always said this, I always want people, especially in contact sports like football, like boxing, like the UFC, like basketball to a certain extent, I always want you to be able to walk out on your own terms. As a as a person that loves sports, we know about a multitude of players. That weren't able to walk out. Uh, and what I mean by that is I want you if you're if you're thinking about hanging it up, I want you to be hanging it up and be in your right mind. I don't want you to have to hang it up because you have a career ending injury. I don't want you to have to hang it up because, you know, y- y- you can't function because of the injury sustaining your career. I'm not saying that this is it for Travis Kelsey. I could be drastically wrong. But what I will, in fact, let me see something. Travis Kelsey is 34 years old. Now, in football life, I mean, no, in regular life, that's not old at all. 34 is very young in regular life, but we're talking about football life. As a football player, that is that's that's getting up there, especially when you talk about the damage that you take to the body as a tight end. And he was drafted in 2013. Quad as kept, 10 years is a long time for a position as physical as tight end. And even in 10 years, a two-time Super Bowl champion, a four-time first-team All-Pro, three-time second-team All-Pro, eight-time Pro Pro Bowler, and the 2010s All-Decade team. Again, I don't want Travis Kelsey to retire, obviously, if he doesn't want to. But again, name me the person that says that they think about retirement, quote, more than you can imagine and stays an extra three, four, five, six years, especially a player that takes as much beating as Travis Kelsey takes. That's all I'm saying, man. I wish them nothing but the best, but, you know, we'll see. But shouts out to the Philadelphia Eagles for beating the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday night. Football 21 to 17. I said this last episode. Or no, maybe last episode, but I've said this before. Never be never be too slow to change. Never be too slow to change. Because there are times when you're too slow to change and your window is closed. The the Steelers is a marquee franchise. Has been a marquee franchise majority of his existence. When we talk about the gold standard of football, you can't look much further than the Steelers. And and they've they've done this there. this, this entirely there. There's not a when you look at the history of the Steelers. There's not a position that doesn't have a rich history. Owner is great. Head coach, you have one of the you had. Well, you have Mike Tomlin. Quarterback, you have Big Ben. You can feel what you feel about off-the-field stuff, but Big Ben on the field was one of the greatest quarterbacks of his of his era. Running back, I mean, you had Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell was different. You had uh, Jerome Bettett, you know? Wide receiver, even though take... I know it's difficult, but take everything that's happened off the field. And Antonio Brown is one of the greatest wide receivers we've ever seen. You still have Lynn Swan. What I'm saying is there's not a position for the Steelers. And I'm talking from front office to the team. There's not a position that you can look at and it doesn't have a rich history that spells a great organization. We're going to talk about a lot further in the show, but we're going to talk about a bad organization and what happens when the championship window closes. But one thing that I can say is the Pittsburgh Steelers, because their organization is run so well, you can never really i'm not going to say they're super bowl caliber teams but you can never rule it out just because of how well they've been run and you can also tell how how well an organization is run by their coaching fires and hires and i think that the pittsburgh steelers haven't fi- has not fired a head coach or hasn't fired a coach whether that's Uh, 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 defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator, head coach. They have not fired a coach mid-season since like the 40s, I believe, or something like that. I think it's the 40s. Well, that streak has been broken because Matt Canada was fired after – Sunday's game against the Cleveland Browns where the Pittsburgh Steelers lost 13-10. to Now, it would be naive and it would be mis- misguided if you put all the Pittsburgh Steelers' struggles on Matt Canada. It's not all... Matt Canada's fault but it is majority his fault and that is the issue this Pittsburgh Steelers team this year will historically go down as one of the worst offenses with a winning with a winning record in NFL history again this team in fact let me just this team has been outgained every single. The reason why I keep saying that stat because it is so baffling to me and rare. This is the first time I think in NFL history that a team that has been outgained offensively in every single game in their 6 and 4 right now. So you ask yourself why? Was Matt Canada fired after this game? Well. That's why it goes back to never be too late to change. Matt Matt Canada should have been gone. I'm not. I'm not the biggest. I'm not a uh, Steelers fan. But I can see when something's not working. And you can always tell. If it is a talent issue or if it is a coaching issue. Mm -hmm. Now, the Steelers have both right now when we talk about Matt Canada and Kenny Pickett. But if it was just a Kenny Pickett issue, then the running game wouldn't be as bad as Mm -hmm. it is, especially when you have someone like. Um, And you have someone like Najee Harris Who had an incredible year last year Yes It's not just that actually It is the schemes And how elementary the offense looks That is on Matt Canada And it has looked like that all year Which is why I think that this is one of Mike Tomlin's greatest coaching seasons of all time. Now, yes, Mike Tomlin has been part of the problem, seeing as though he's embodied, not embodied, he's pretty much empowered Matt Canada majority of the year, or obviously... But Mike Tomlin, in this defense, has carried it to a six six and four record at this point. Again, you're asking yourself why this game? Why did it take this game? Well, look at all the factors that went into this game. Going into this game, you're six and three. You're going against a team that not only lost its starting wide or starting running back earlier this year, but just a week ago, it lost its starting quarterback in Deshaun Watson. And not only did it lose its starting quarterback in Deshaun Watson, you're playing a rookie quarterback in Dorian Thompson Robinson, who was a late. A late draft pick in the later rounds. Dorian Thomas Robinson didn't even throw for over 600, 170 yards. He had 165. He didn't throw one touchdown. He didn't score. The one, the, the touchdown, the touchdown was from Jerome Ford, a running back. And. You didn't lose because the defense was trashed. You lost because the offense, like it's it's done this entire year, has balked down the team. Kenny Pickett was fifteen for twenty eight, a hundred and six yards. This was again. Yes, we have talked at nauseum about how good this Cleveland Browns defense is. Yes, this is a Super Bowl caliber defense. Yes, Miles Garrett should be, in my opinion, in the conversation for MVP. Just because of everything that this Cleveland Browns team has gone through and the fact that they are 7-3. and three. Yes, the AFC North, in my opinion, is the best division in football. But when you look as... Lethargic. And when you look as stuck in, when you look as bad as the Pittsburgh Steelers looked, and then you have players that usually don't speak out or subliminally speak out, pretty much speak out in a way that they usually don't, i.e., Najee Harris pretty much saying that this can't continue, changes have to be made. And I think what took the Steelers so long is history. Their history has been great. I'm not here bashing the Steelers at all. I'm actually praising the Steelers. They're not used to making in in game, <laughs> game I mean in season adjustments when it talks about quarterbacks. Again, I think the 40s was the last time they had to do that. But it was about time. Matt Canada needed to go. When the world, when when something happens, right, and you hear nothing but t- about time, Jesus, thank God, that should tell you something. There's not one. I have not heard one person, not one, say, damn, well, maybe they did need to fire Matt Canada. Dan Orlowski, right? Dan Orlowski is probably one of the most, Positive people when it comes or objective, let's say, people outside of Matthew Stafford. Dan Orlowski is one of the most objective people when it comes to the sport of football and how he is very, very slow to blame a coach or a player like he needs to see the whole thing. Even he was saying that it needs to go. (laughs) And that's another thing. And the last thing I'm going to say about this. Everything that we talk about the Cleveland Browns is true as far as their defense historically, you know, Miles Garrett, all of it. And you only lost by three. Meaning if, if you came in with a better game plan offensively, Probably would have won, and the fact that you have talent littered throughout the entire offensive side of the ball. We talk about George Pickens, we talk about Deontay Johnson, we talk about Najee Harris, we talk about Jalen Warren. You Pat Firemuth came back. You have talent, and the last thing that you don't want you want to do is waste talent because you want to. Stick to tradition, which is why I said never be the last to change. Tradition is just tradition; they're gonna, it's gonna be there. No one's looking at this Pittsburgh Steelers team as, as a trashed organization now that they fired Matt Canada. I think they're probably looking at them a little sideways because it, sh- it should have been happened. Some people are head coaches. Some people are coordinators. Some people are neither. Lesson of the day. (laughs) Shouts out to the Cleveland Browns for beating the Pittsburgh Steelers 13 to 10. I will admit, and I talked about this last episode, but I will admit that I have been very critical of justin herbert while i haven't put the blame on him per se everything going on with the chargers i did say that when you're getting paid as much as he's getting paid and when he's as talented as he is You shouldn't, you should be, you should be more of a, you should be more of a blanket, more of a solution than to me, Justin Herbert is. Like a a player, a team with a player as good as Justin Herbert should not be sitting here today at four and six. That's how I look at it. I look at it as, yes. Everything can be trash around you, but if you, if you're as good as people are saying Justin Herbert is, there's people that are saying that Justin Herbert talent-wise is b- minimum the third or f- third or fourth best quarterback in the league. To me, if you're that good, you shouldn't be sitting here at four and six. But then you saw the game on Sunday. The Green Bay Packers beat the Chargers twenty three to twenty, and everything that I've closed my eyes to this entire season was opened on Sunday. It's not, I'm not saying that I didn't know this was the case, but I was, I was, I was trying to be right. I guess I can be honest about it. I was trying to be right. And like a lot of people, I was very slow to come off of my opinions. While talking about Justin Herbert, I've also talked about the issues that this Chargers team has, whether we talk about the defense and how it is taking a major step back. Year after year, even with um Brian Flores, which I love as a head coach, Brian Flores as a defensive coordinator so is not it right now. I talked about the fact of you have on paper this team should be great, but the Chargers the pure definition of sports is not played on paper. I talked about um Brandon Staley and how bad of a of a coaching job he has done and some of the situations that he puts his team in are unwinnable situations i talked about the injuries and even on sunday joey bosa went out again i think it was a sprained foot but multiple time multiple seasons there's a litany of injuries that occur on the, with the L.A. Chargers. Uh, remember, Mike Williams is out for the season. Keenan Allen has been hurt several times. Derwin James came into the season hurt. Uh, Khalil Mack gets hurt. You know what I'm saying? But Sunday, I had an epiphany moment. I had a voila moment. And everything that I've been trying to avoid, everything that I've been... Trying to, I guess, negate came to the surface all at once. This I go, I, I'm going to admit something here and I don't know if this is going to affect how people view my takes. I don't know if this is going to affect how people, people ultimately view me, how people ultimately view this podcast. If it changes, hey, it is what it is. But it's honest. I have a basketball mindset. Basketball is my first love, is my second, third, and fourth love. I love everything about basketball. I played basketball all of my life. I played football once, one year. I played college basketball. I, I played, I was good enough to play overseas. I just didn't have the funds for it. I am a basketball head. You can ask my girl, you can ask anybody. I will sit and watch basketball highlights The same basketball highlights. I can't tell you how many times I have watched the 2022 Golden State Warriors championship. I can't tell you how many times I've watched John Wall and the Wizards go up against uh, Isaiah Thomas in in the Boston Celtics. I can't tell you how many times I've watched game six of the Golden State Warriors and Houston Rockets Western Conference Finals in 2018. I just love basketball that much I can't tell you how many times I've watched Steph Curry Kyrie Irving Allen Iverson LeBron James Gilbert Arenas uh, Kevin Durant how many times I just watch highlights I'm saying all this to say that when I go into anything sports whether that's football soccer baseball uh, tennis you know I usually come at it with a basketball mindset. Which is why I've been uber critical of Justin Herbert and the fact of, I think you should be better than this. Or let me say this. I think Justin Herbert is one of the most talented quarterbacks in football. So if you're that, your team shouldn't be this. I Look at it as a basketball mindset. Steph Curry is himself at least worth 41 games. That means when you step on the floor with Steph Curry, you're good to at win, to win minimum 41 games. Same thing with LeBron, same thing with uh, Kevin Durant, same thing with Luka Doncic, same thing with Jason Tatum, same thing with Joel Embiid, Nikola Jokic. You should be good enough to have 41 names attached to you. That's what a superstar does. Well, football is not basketball. And I had to take my basketball blinders off and actually see what I'm seeing with this Chargers team. This Chargers team is not Justin Herbert's fault in the slightest. In fact, I fear what this Chargers team would be without Justin Herbert. This Chargers team. Even with Austin Eckler, this Chargers team could possibly be in the running for arguably one of the worst teams in football without Justin Herbert. We talk about drops in the Kansas City Chiefs. There were several drops, including the game-winning drop for the Chargers, Keenan Allen, who should be considered one of the best of wide receivers in football. He dropped a, a bevy of passes. It, oh boy, 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 boy. Quentin Johnston, I'm sorry, I didn't, he's the one that dropped the game winning pass. And of course, we talk about Brandon Saley. That's another person that I am shocked is still employed as an NFL head coach. To this day. You you lost to a team that has struggled mightily all year to score the ball. Uh, J- J- Jordan Love has struggled to, well, yes, he usually puts up numbers. A lot of those numbers are garbage time numbers because they're usually losing. You lost to a struggling team that was ready to call it in. Jordan Love had the game of his life, 27 for forty. Three hundred and twenty-two yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, and this is a player that struggled mightily this entire year with interceptions. This Chargers team is bad, man. It is, it is bad. And I took off my basketball blinders, and I see clear as day that this is not a. Mm-hmm. This is this is not a um. This Justin Herbert is actually more of a solution than I thought he was. The problem is this team is just that bad that it really don't matter what Justin Herbert do. It ain't going it ain't going to change much. And that's yeah. Shouts out to the Green Bay Packers for being the Chargers 23 to 20. As we move forward, the question was, there wasn't even a question. The conversation around the Broncos, especially these last two years, was, was this Russell Wilson trade from the Seahawks the worst trade in NFL history? And for a good portion of it, it was looking like it was. Especially when you saw how good Geno Smith was or has been, let's say, for the Seahawks compared to how bad. And it wasn't, of course, with draft picks and everything. It was a lot. The Seahawks or the Broncos gave up a lot to get Russell Wilson, and rightfully so. Especially if you get getting the Russell Wilson that you think you're getting, the, the height of Russell Wilson, you would make that trade 10 times out of 10 and give him the contract. But... For a good portion of this, especially last year and and some most of this year, you would think that that was the worst trade in NFL history. Hell, we were sitting here and I still I still think that it could possibly be the last year that Russell Wilson is in a Broncos uniform. But we were pretty much saying it was a it was a wrap just because of how bad Russell Wilson has been. And a lot of the uh, because of what we saw last year a lot of the criticism that the broncos were getting this year wasn't really pointed towards Sean Payton because we know you know the history that Sean Payton has as a head coach and we also are are, are still sitting with what we saw a year ago with the broncos and, and Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson and a lot of that looked eerily similar to what we were seeing this year. So a lot of people were kind of attributing a lot of the issues last year to Russell Wilson because we were seeing it again this year. Well, as we sit here today, I think the Broncos are on a four-game winning streak. They are 5-5, five and, five, and they beat the Minnesota Vikings 21-20. I am not going to go as far, because I've heard some people say that. I'm not going to go as far as say that we're seeing the old Russell Wilson. Hell no. But what we're seeing is this Russell Wilson is closer to the old Russell Wilson than it is to what we saw last year. What is Russell, What would Russell Wilson's legacy be if last year didn't happen? Obviously, he's a Super Bowl winning coach or a quarterback, but his legacy—we all have something. No, all the all the greats have something. What do I mean by that? All the greats have something that you can say. This—they were one of, if not the best at that. For instance, Drew Brees. Drew Brees will go down as arguably the most accurate quarterback in NFL history. You knew that if the ball left his hand, more than likely it is going to find his target. That's just Drew Brees is that accurate. When we talk about Aaron Rodgers, one of the most beautiful throwers of the football we've ever seen. And the fact that he's one of the most clutch quarterbacks of all time. Cam Newton, Lamar Jackson, and Mike Vick. Arguably the greatest running runners of the football we've ever seen. Cam Newton was just a, a physical specimen. Mike Vick was arguably the fastest or one of the fastest at the time quarterbacks. And, of course, Lamar Jackson, he's just a blur. And I think that Lamar Jackson is better than out, of, out of all three. But when we talk about, you know, being able to be one of the most mobile quarterbacks, you will think about those three. Russell Wilson probably had the best deep ball we've ever seen. When we talk about how effortless it leaves his hand and how it would land perfectly after a rainbow, rainbow ball. A rainbow throw. He had one of, if not, he's probably the best rainbow ball thrower of all time. So. Imagine my shock, especially last year, when you see how bad they looked. Like, they looked terrible last year. And Russell Wilson was going to be a very rare case of a player that lost it as quickly as he lost it. If, and that's why I said going into the season, this year is a huge year for Russell Wilson. When we talk about legacy-wise, when we talk about Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame, uh, Status-wise, it it was a big year for him. And as we sit here today, no, 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 Russell Wilson is not back to prime form. But what he is, what he, what, what we are seeing is he's cut out, cut out the mistakes. He cuts, he's cut out the poor, very costly uh, interceptions, the very costly sacks like he's cut that out he still gets sacked from time to time but maybe it is it is him and Sean Payton are finally clicking but a team that got hung 70 on their head and had historically one of the worst defenses in NFL history is now on a four-game winning streak, has one of the best defenses in football right now. And Russell Wilson doesn't look bad. He threw for 259 yards. A lot of those is a lot of dink and dunks. But, hey, they won the game. So Shouts out to the, Dolph, or the Broncos for beating the Vikings 21-20. to 20. I, the Cowboys is the only team (laughs) that I can't really, it's hard to get a read on a, a seven and three team because they do exactly what they're supposed to do. I talked about this before and I talk about this every single week. They do what they're supposed to do. The Cowboys are supposed to be the team that just, you know what they do? The Cowboys remind me of—you ever been playing—oh, damn, I was about to say a basketball analogy. <laughs> you ever been playing basketball—or you seen, like, a, a student faculty basketball game? And there's one faculty member that used to actually hoop, like, maybe played overseas or played college or something. And he's just dominating. Because usually when when we talk about when it's the faculty versus staff or faculty versus students game, the students that they pick are never basketball players. They're like people that had four age or uh, gym in first period or something, you know. But there's always that one faculty member that just dominates. That's what the that's what the Dallas Cowboys do to lesser opponents. They're they're 7 and 3 and I think they only have like one or two games or one or two wins, maybe three over opponents that are above 500. And they destroy, they beat the they beat the 1 and 9 Carolina Panthers 33 to 10. Like, <laughs> I can't. It's it's hard to get a read. Dak has been great. Dak is, he, he threw for two touchdowns, no interceptions, 189 yards. Tony Pollard was good. He had a touchdown. Um, The CeeDee Lamb caught another touchdown. Didn't really have to do much. Like, I don't know. Uh, I, I will say that they're handling the business that they're supposed to handle. They're beating the team that they're supposed to beat. But until like like i said they lost to the eagles. They lost to the 49ers. I know they get to play the eagles again so we'll see but i want to see I'll say this, the way that the Dallas Cowboys be playing against lesser teams, if they played against capable teams like that, they'd be Super Bowl champs for sure. <laughs> like so i don't know, man. And that's not me downgrading the Cowboys. That's just being honest. They they hand they do what they're supposed to do. So, shouts out to the Cowboys for beating um, the Panthers thirty three to ten. And this is yet another week that I am going to come in here and emphasize what we're seeing out of the Detroit Lions. This Detroit Lions, this Lions team, man, is a Super Bowl caliber team. It's just, and, and again, the one thing that I question is Jarrett Goff. I think Jarrett Goff is good enough at times to lead a team to a Super Bowl, but then you have games like we saw on Sunday where the Lions, they did beat the Bears 31-26, t- to 26, but trust and believe the Bears did everything in their power to lose this game. Whether we talk about turnovers, whether we talk about – poor clock management. Matt Eberflus is another person that I'm surprised so has a job as a head coach, but it just like the, the Lions or not Lions, the the Bears did everything in their power to lose. In fact, let me say this. They did nothing in their power to try to win this game, even though they had the advantage. Justin Fields even though he doesn't have the stats, he was playing one of the best games as he's ever played. He he threw for 169 yards. He ran for 104 yards. Like he that's a total of what? 273 73 yards. He was going crazy. But bad teams find ways to lose. Um but like I said the one of the biggest uh, just jared Goff, 263 yards two touchdowns three interceptions and as we've seen in his entirety of his career he can have those multiple interception games so i think that they're good enough defensively all the skill positions this lions team is good enough to be one of the best teams in football it's just i need to see more consistency from jared Goff, and not because again you have a three turnover game, a three interception game against a good team, it's curtains. So but they play on Thursday. We'll see. Shouts out to the Lions for beating the Bears 31 to 26. I have I am running out of adjectives to describe CJ Stroud. I am running out of ways to demonstrate or emphasize how good C.J. Stroud is. The best compliment that I can give C.J. Stroud at this point is he is one of the, at this point, he is one of the best quarterbacks in football. Not just rookies, no. He's one of the best quarterbacks in football. The Texans beat the Arizona Cardinals thirty-one to sixteen, and he it's 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 he thrives at all phases of the game, and I mean, passing the ball, uh, making smart decisions, even at the podium. He had three interceptions and said, "Steph Curry don't stop shooting, so I'm I'm a, I'm not gonna stop passing the ball." That's what you say. I'm losing I'm losing the ability to find things to find issue with with CJ Stroud. Now, yes, I understand it is the Cardinals. But you're six and four. Nobody expected the Houston Texans to be six and four. Which is why I have not only CJ Stroud as offensive rookie of the year, but I have D'Amico Ryan's as coach of the year. CJ Shaw is incredible, bro. he threw for three hundred and thirty six yards. He has incredible pocket poise. He has incredible accuracy. He has an incredible deep ball like th- there is not much that he can do. He can't he, like CJ Stroud. I'm losing word. I'm I'm running out of words to describe CJ Stroud. And I'm starting to think like. No, this. Uh... Shouts out to C.J. Stroud and the Houston Texans for beating the Arizona Cardinals twenty-one to sixteen. He is, to me, one of the most rarest rookies, especially at the quarterback position, we've ever seen. Which is unfortunate for Bryce Young, because Bryce Young looks more like the rookies that we've seen in recent history. Not saying that he can't turn around, but. It's very rare, very rare that you come in and from day one, C.J. Stroud looks like a veteran top-tier quarterback. We talk about mm, – I was about to say something loud. Shout-out to the Houston Texans for being the Arizona Cardinals. Let's move forward. People Look, people clowned me, especially after last, year, last week when the Jaguars got demolished by the 49ers. But I said going into that game that the Jacksonville Jaguars are one of the best teams in football. The only thing that they have to stop doing is turning the ball over. If they stop turning the ball over, they have a good shot of... um. They have a good shot of beating anybody. Well, what do you know? The Jacksonville Jaguars beat the Tennessee Titans 34-14. to 14, No turnovers. Uh, Trevor Lawrence threw for 262 yards. Two touchdowns. <laughs> like... This Calvin Ridley had his best game since the beginning of the year. Seven catches for 103 yards, two touchdowns. This, hey man, this is what I'm talking about. Trevor Lawrence has looked really good. Like this is the team that is good. And now, yes, I understand the opponent is definitely not the 49ers, but this Jaguars team is good. This Jaguars team is exceptional. And when they're not turning the ball over, they can beat anybody. When they're not turning the ball over, when Trevor Lawrence is, is decisive with the ball and getting the ball exactly where it needs to go, they can beat anyone. And this is proof. Shouts out to the Jaguars for beating the Tennessee Titans, 34 to 14. And I mean, the Tennessee Titans, bro. I hear a lot of chatter about um, Mike Vrabel's job Might be at risk And I would Respond by saying What do you think is the problem We talked about Matt Canada and we we can Clearly see that One of the biggest problems in Pittsburgh was The offense and the offensive coordinator When we look at A team like the Chargers you can tell one of the biggest issues is obviously the coach. What is the problem? Like, when what are are we being honest with ourselves when we talk about the Tennessee Titans? First and foremost, even though I love Mac, Mike Vrabel and Mike Vrabel is a really good coach, no one should ever expect—or not ever—no one should expect the Tennessee Titans to be a Super Bowl contender going into the season. They don't have the roster to be a Super Bowl contender. On top of that, one thing, the thing that they have held their hat on and the thing that they go into battle with year after year is the fact that they have one of the most dominant running games in football and they have a very physical defense. Well, kind of like what we're seeing in what? Kind of like what we're seeing with some of the greats. Everyone has an expiration date when it comes to their sport. And I'm not saying that Derrick Henry is is washed, but what I'm saying is you're not getting the King Henry that we're used to getting, especially at the running back position. Yes, I know he's a freak in nature. Yes, I know that Derrick Henry isn't built like majority of the running backs in the league. But when you take the amount of punishment that running backs take, especially the Tennessee Titans running back that they give him the ball a thousand times a game, or they used to give him the ball a thousand times a game. That's going to take a toll on the body. So when it does take a toll and now you're slowing down, and now you have to depend on someone like Will Levis, who had an incredible game one. Don't get me don't don't get me wrong. His first game was incredible. But since then, I don't think he's thrown. I think he's thrown the same amount of touchdowns in two or three games that he did the first game he played. It's like this team isn't. This is a middle of the pack team. And this is a three and seven team. And like they have all the makeup of a three and seven team. Because when you're bell cow running back starts to wear down because of just the amount of of hits he's taking when that starts to happen what do you think's gonna happen yes deandre hopkins is one of your wide receivers if you ain't got the quarterback to get him the ball it don't matter why you think we <laughs> we be screaming about um we used to scream about Stefan Diggs when he was on the Vikings. It don't matter how good you are. If you if you ain't got no quarterback to give you the ball, like, what are we talking about? Danny, change the thing. Well, shout-out to the Jaguars to be in the Titans. So. I yes, this is yet another team where I can't be too high, too low on, uh, and that is the Miami Dolphins beating the Raiders 20-13. to 13. The Dolphins do what they're supposed to do, kind of like the Dallas Cowboys. the The only issue with the Dolphins is they've played what seven games, or they've all their seven wins are against like 500 or below 500 teams, and all three of their losses are against teams that they could potentially see in the playoffs. We know how good this team can be when they go into hyperdrive. I mean, Tua on Sunday threw for 325 yards two touchdowns one interception Tyreek Hill had 10 receptions for 146 yards like we when this team clicks like the flips the switch and goes in hyper mode they can dominate anything the only issue is of course the running game isn't as strong 22 carries for just 86 yards isn't the best and Can they beat the better? Can they beat a a team that's five hundred? Like, can they beat a team that they could possibly see in the playoffs? Until then, they're gonna keep having situations like this. Like, you're you're beating team. You're beating the Raiders. You're supposed to beat the Raiders. The Raiders aren't that good, and they have Aiden O'Connell as their as their uh, as their quarterback. You know, now it it is great to see Jalen Ramsey back. Two interceptions was was great, but I just need to see need to see that against a good team. But you did what you were supposed to do. Shouts out to the Dolphins for beating the Raiders twenty to thirteen. Ooh, we're at that point of the show. I didn't. Oh boy, let me tell you something. I don't have much. Analysis on this game. If you didn't watch it, you didn't miss much. I'm gonna tell you something. And you guys know on this show, while yes, it is very hard for me to take my biases out, I try to speak as honest as possible. And I tried to not put my emotions in it. I'll say that. i just tell you what I see. The Giants beat the Washington Commanders. 31-19. to And honestly, the score wasn't that close. Tommy DeVito... Uh two hundred and forty six yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. I think that was his first start, too. Sam Howe, two hundred and fifty five yards, one touchdown, three interceptions. Um I am not one. You know what? I'm trying. I'm trying desperately to not be uberly emotional. But you guys see it. At some point, we have to be honest about what we're seeing. I say that all the time, and I've said that multiple times on this episode. Do you think? Ron Rivera is a good is you know what it is? Every coach has an elevator pitch. Everybody usually has an elevator pitch. The issue is right. What happens when you get out the elevator? How are you able to execute and how long is that? Is that elevator pitch? Um, Ron Rivera has had one winning season his entire career. And you had Cam Newton. And with all the flaws that Cam Newton had in his game, he still was good enough to be well. I mean, he took a team to the Super Bowl. He took a one win or one loss team to the Super Bowl. Ron Rivera, I hate calling for people's job, but look at what we're seeing. I'll say this. Ron Rivera has been, what, four years in Washington? Has Washington gotten any better? Since Have you seen any building blocks for Washington? As a fan, as someone that watches every week I can't say that I, I used to. I used to be an editor for this organization as a freelancer, so I would know. I don't see much growth. This team doesn't look much different than it did four years ago, when they got to Ron Rivera, and you lose to a Giants team that. Is pretty much actively tanking. You getting ba- and you're starting. They're starting Tim Devito, Tommy Devito, not the actor. And you can't. You, you and it's not just him. I don't. It's this defense is terrible. Jack Del Rio. The offense is sputtered and, and I feel really bad for Eric Bienemy because you hitched your you hitched your your ride to a a, a, a dying organization right now. It sucks. Washington commanders are terrible. There's not what they have names like Sam Howell is still amongst one of the league leaders in in passing yards. They have Terry McLaurin, they have Brian Robinson, they have Jonathan Allen. That's about it. Shouts out to the Giants for being the Commanders, thirty-one to nineteen. This 49ers team is starting to look like the best team in football again. They beat the Buccaneers 27-14. to Brock Purdy threw for 333 yards, three touchdowns. It. This team is starting to look like the best team in football again. And I said this about Brock Purdy. I never said he was bad. That's what people kind of got misconstrued. I never said Brock Purdy was bad. What I said was... Brock Purdy thrives when everything around him is exactly right, which it is. I mean, Brandon Ayuk caught uh, went 156 yards, one touchdown. George Kittle had a touchdown, Christian McCaffrey had a touchdown. This this team is is great. Now losing um their tight end or no, not tight end, losing their their uh safety. Uh, Tolu Talua. ooh, I know I said your name wrong, bro. Hanu Hanfuga, I know I said your name. I apologize, bro. But losing him, uh, I think he t- tore his ACL. I think that's that's huge. But you still, I mean, Chase Young is still great. You still have Eric Armstead. You still have Dre Greenlaw. You still have Kadavius Ward, Fred Warner, Nick Bosa, like. This team is starting to look like the best team in football again, and that is scary. So, shouts out to the 49ers for beating the Buccaneers twenty-seven to fourteen. This Bills, t- <laughs> the Bills beat the Jets thirty-two to six. This is more on the Jets than the Bills, man. Zach Wilson got benched. Not only that, <laughs> damn. Zach Wilson not only got benched. Zach Wilson got benched, and now is a third string quarterback. The man, the man. Trevor Simeon got got hopped over him, and Tim Boyle, who I think is going to be starting next game. Just team sucks. <laughs> no, let me not say that. What I'll say is I don't think Aaron Rodgers should come back this year. I know he's aiming for Christmas. I, I don't know the big rushes. To me, this team is 4-6. and six. This team is not good enough to be in the playoffs, even though the defense is. As a whole, the team is not. I don't know why you would rush back, especially how old that he is. I wouldn't come back. And you lost to a better team. This isn't really much of an, an analysis with the Bills. Um, I'm, not, I'm not ready to say that the Bills are back Because you beat a team that you're supposed to beat Even though they did beat you earlier in the season You're supposed to beat the Jets Especially with Zach Wilson as your uh, or As your opponent Zach Wilson was terrible bro He threw 17, 7 for 15 For 81 yards It's not good It's not good at all I understand Robert Sala didn't want to give up on the guy But that's those one of those. That's one of those Mad Canada situations. Like we should, we been knew he should have been out of here. Like, and to go from your first string to now your third, Whew. yeah. And rightfully so, man. Zach Wilson is not that good, or not that good. Zach Wilson is not good. Mm-hmm. He has not shown the ability to be a starting quarterback. So, uh, shouts out to the Bills for beating the Jets thirty-two to six. And the last game. Shouts out to the Rams for beating the Seahawks seventeen to sixteen. Yo, Matthew Stafford be taking some hits. Matthew Stafford be getting drilled, bro. Like it, man. And I know that Geno Smith did get hurt. I hope that he is he's good. But man, Matthew Stafford got drilled. And shouts out to Puka Puka Nakua. He did have a touchdown, seventy yards. Um, I think Cooper Cup got hurt. I don't know what the severity is of it, but uh, yeah, man, the forty, the Seahawks, you, they, they lost, and now they're not number one in, or they lost their number one spot in the AFC West, or NFC West. But they need Geno Smith back, uh, obviously, and I hope that the injury is not as serious. But uh, and Kenneth Walker, the, th- yeah. Shouts out to the Rams for beating uh, the Seahawks, seventeen to sixteen. That has been what week eleven of the NFL season. Um, let's go over to college football for a second. We are pretty much the end. Of the, we're pretty much at the end of the season, at least re- end of the regular season, and this has been an electric regular season for. Uh, The Heisman run There's been a lot of players That have seen their names Amongst the top three or four Of the Heisman Uh, Caleb Williams was someone going into the season A lot of people like myself Thought that was going to repeat As a Heisman trophy winner Uh, But With some very bad losses And seemingly the end of USC season doesn't look like he's even in the top five, and a lot of that is not his fault, but then there are some very poor interceptions that he's thrown. What I'm saying is it has been a very interesting year for the Heisman race, and there have been many, and I mean many, different players that have a, have made a case that can win the Heisman. So what I wanted to do is I wanted to give my top five. I know I gave a top five, I think, last episode of NBA Players uh, 25 and under. What I wanted to do is I wanted to give my top five in the Heisman race and who I think should win, who I think shouldn't win. Now, there were players, obviously, that didn't make my list that definitely were good enough to make the list, like Blake Korn and J.J. McCarthy for Michigan. Forget everything that's going on with the sign ceiling thing. Though that duo is great, and I mean they haven't lost a game. Now we'll see what happens. Of course, they play Ohio State in this uh, this week. But Blake Corn, Blake Corm and and JJ McCarthy are definitely good enough to be in the Heisman conversation. I just don't have them there, you know. Uh, but let me start with my five. At five, I have Jalen Milrow. For Alabama now, I don't know if you guys remember how rough it looked, and at the start of the year for Alabama and Jalen Milrow, like they benched him, <laughs> and then once they realized, oh yeah, no, we we kind of we kind of got to run that back because <laughs> because nah, we they're they're they I even put a video out, man. Their their wife their quarterback room was trash, but. It was It's beautiful seeing the maturation of Jalen Melrose's game from the beginning of the season to now. Now he's one of the best quarterbacks in the, in the nation, especially when we talk about throwing the ball and ultimately running the ball. I mean, as we talk right now, he has 2,267 yards, 19 touchdowns to six interceptions. He has been great. And the thing that's killing Alabama right now is the fact of, not only they lost, they lost to Texas, and Texas is above them. So, it is tough. And they until Texas loses, you can't just, like, jump Alabama. Or you can't have Alabama jump Texas because Texas beat them. But Jalen Melrose has been great. I, th- I just, If on any other year, right, Jalen Melrose would – obviously be a top one or two candidate, but that's how good the Heisman race has been this year. So I have him at number five and number four, I have Marvin Harrison jr. Now I will admit going into this season. I thought that I think there's a debate that a lot of people aren't having. And I understand uh, maybe if we talk about nfl history maybe we talk about nfl ready maybe we talk about just stature if we talk about um just physical build yes marvin harrison jr is probably the most nfl ready wide receiver in football that that's probably not and there's obviously no question that Marvin Harrison Jr. Is one of the top wide receivers in football. I have him at number four in my Heisman race. But I question, I don't know if Jalen Mill, I mean, I don't know if Marvin Harrison Jr. Is the number one wide receiver in football. I mean, if you look, he has 62 receptions for 1,093 yards, 13 touchdowns. But if you go to... Rome Adunze, the wide receiver for Washington, he has 66 receptions, 1,206 yards, and 11 touchdowns. Meaning, he has not only more receptions, he has more yards. And I think one thing that's helping Rome Adunze and why that you can really, you can have an argument about Is he as good as Marvin Harrison's because of the system and the quarterback that you play or play with? Obviously, Roma Dunze is playing alongside a much better quarterback than what Marvin Harrison Jr. is playing, which is actually kind of why I have him at number four. I'm not saying that Ohio State's, or who is Ohio State's quarterback? I'm not saying Ohio State's quarterback is terrible, um, but he's not. Like Kyle McCord, I'm not saying he's terrible He ain't Michael Penix Uh, So That's probably one, one, one of the Biggest reasons why I have the edge For Marvin Harrison Jr But I think that you can have An argument that Roma Dunze is in fact The best wide receiver in football Or in college football But Marvin Harrison Jr Week after week He makes electric plays and he is one of the biggest Reasons that Ohio State, not only is eleven and zero, but is a lot of people have them winning at all. A lot is because of him. So I have Marvin Harrison Jr. at number four. Number three, I have Michael Penix Jr. Um, the man is throwing three thousand six hundred and ninety-five yards, three thirty touchdowns, seven interceptions. The uh, he's kind of slowed down from the beginning of the year to now. Now that's not saying much, seeing as though they're eleven and zero. But he continues to impress, and while again he's slowed down considerably compared to where he was in the beginning of the year, Washington is still knocking on the door for, to the college football playoffs i think that if they beat oregon which i hope oregon makes it if they beat oregon in the pac-12 championship then and of course we saw what happened with jordan travis and florida state breaking his leg i hope or ankle i hope that nothing but a speedy recovery but his career is over and i don't know how they're gonna fare uh and i don't know what the committee is gonna do with that but michael penix jr has been great and he has washington Right now, undefeated. So, and he was the front runner for majority of the year. I can't take that away from him. You know what I'm saying? So, I have a uh, I have Michael Penix Jr. at number three. At number two, and number two and number one, in my opinion, can go back and forth. At number two, I have Bo Nix of Oregon. The man, look, and I'm not just saying this because I'm an Oregon fan. Bo Nix has. 35 touchdowns, to two interceptions. He has a QBR of 89.7, which is third, and he has 3,500 and and 39 yards. Now, Bo Nix, I understand he's probably he's been playing, he's been the starting quarterback in college for like a thousand years, like he's he's like the oldest player in college football, but. And I will also say that as an Oregon fan, I was not happy that we got Bo Nix. And last year didn't didn't excite me in no way, shape, or form. He wasn't that good last year. So the fact they said he was coming back, I said, oh, my gosh. But Bo Nix has been great, man. And Bo Nix, to me, is one of the biggest reasons why I think that Oregon is probably the most well-balanced, one of the most well-balanced teams in college football. And... it. they they have one of the most explosive offenses in football, obviously because of Bo Nix and his connection with the speedy wide receivers and the speedy running backs. Um, And this Oregon team feels much different than any of the past Oregon teams, like the Marcus Mariota teams, the Garrett or the Garrett Blunt Oregon team, because this team is balanced and, Bo Nix is has been incredible, and with that one loss, I think it's it's big. But and you lost to a Washington team that is undefeated. I th- but Bo Nix still looks good, and they only lost by three points, so I don't think it's that big. Now I think about it. But um, yeah, I have Bo, N- Bo Nix at number t- number two for the Heisman. Number one, I have Jaden McDaniels. Jaden McDaniels leads the Leads college football in passing touchdowns, I believe, at 36. He has four interceptions. He leads the nation QBR with 94.9, and he has 3,577 yards. Bro, last game, understand they have three losses. I get that. Last game, he threw eight touchdowns. Like, he has played his way. I not only to an NFL draft pick he's played his way to possibly a very high first round draft pick. Jaden McDaniels has been great. When we talk about the way that he uses his legs and and reading defenses and passing the ball like that boy is incredible. <laughs> like man I'm I'm looking at it too. Last year he threw for 2,913 or he had 2,913 yards and 17 touchdowns with three interceptions this year. Again, right now, 3,577 with 36. So he's damn near doubled his. Actually, he's more than doubled. Yeah, it's he's he's more than doubled his. His touchdowns, man. His QBR sky, his, uh, his passer rating skyrocketed from 144 last year to 208. Yeah, man. Jade McDaniels to me is, I understand people are looking at that three loss and being like, oh, but, uh, yeah, I have Jade McDaniels as the Heisman favorite right now. Um, I'm going to save it. There you have it. That's been today's episode of the Unpopular Podcast. I truly, truly, truly appreciate you guys. Um, If you want an Unpopular Podcast shirt, hoodie, sweater, long-sleeve joggers, the link is in the description below. I have multiple different colors, multiple different designs. Get your Unpopular Podcast merch today. Also, please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Please subscribe to wherever you're listening. It definitely means a lot to me. I'm trying to grow the YouTube channel as much as I can, and I can't do it without you guys. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend if you appreciate the content. If you like the content, tell them to subscribe. Spread the word. (laughs) Also, please follow the socials. Follow Instagram. Follow TikTok. I post there pretty much daily, multiple times. You can have conversations. We can debate. Just keep it respectful. I understand you guys may not agree with everything I say. I get it. And... Just keep, and you can tell me that you disagree, and tell me why you disagree, and we'll we'll have a debate. We'll talk about it. You know, I'm not, I'm not against someone not agreeing with me. Obviously, we all have different opinions. Just keep it respectful, and I'm gonna try to keep it respectful. I, I, don't always. No, I'm keep it respectful, and uh, yeah, I hope you guys have a beautiful Thanksgiving. Hey, man, I'm looking forward to the mac- macaroni and cheese and mac- mashed potatoes. That, to me, is the most important thing about Thanksgiving. Macaroni and cheese and mashed potatoes. I don't care about nothing else. <laughs> like, you can keep the turkey. Uh, I like Cornish hens. I like chicken. Uh, I like dark meat. Pause. <laughs> but if you, you need to get the macaroni and cheese and mashed potatoes right, everything else, don't care. Uh well let me not say it. I, it's not that I don't care it's just I don't if it, you can mess it up a little bit just don't mess up the macaroni and cheese or the mashed potatoes for me and I'm good I'm good but I hope you guys have a beautiful Thanksgiving if you do celebrate Thanksgiving if not I hope you have a great day of watching football uh, or being with your family and uh, yeah we'll, we'll see each other again on Saturday until next time much love <music>